Hey everybody, Sean here once again. Uh, before we get going with Paul Tracy Part 2, I uh, just want to put in a, another quick word for the Rolex 24 at Daytona coming up this January. Uh, practice begins Thursday, January 25th, and of course the 24-hour race on Saturday the 27th through the 28th of January. Um, you're going to hear some amazing stories coming up from Paul, uh, one of which is from the Rolex 24 at Daytona, where one of his, let's just say his teammates, has a fascination with uh, grabbing people's nuts, and you can grab nuts too! at Daytona if you want and have your full Paul Tracy experience. We definitely want to encourage everybody to come out to the Rolex 24 this year. A huge star-studded lineup. If you haven't been paying attention to what's going on with the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, we have a crazy lineup coming into the uh, 2018 season. Penske and Acura are back. You're going to have Juan Montoya and Helio Castroneves. Fernando Alonso is showing up. My boy Rene Rast, the DTM champion, who is one of my personal favorite guys at the paddock. Uh, he's going to be out there. And, of course, uh, several, several Dinner with Racers alumni, Bill Riley, Dan Binks, Patrick Long, Joey Hand, a couple other guys that aren't announced yet, but they're definitely going to be there. And uh, we want you there, too. You are going to have 24 hours to mill about a cool track. It's a really fun, star-studded environment. You're not going to get this many all-stars in one track at one time. Definitely worth checking out. Go to DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com. There are a lot of ticket packages available online. I always recommend going for as much access as you can. This is absolutely the race where the access comes in handy because you want to see everything you can. you got lots of time to do it. So DaytonaInternationalSpeedway.com, the Rolex 24 at Daytona, coming this uh, January the 25th through the 28th. We'll see you there. Speaking of Daytona, speaking of a guy that knows how to win races, let's go back to Mr. Paul... Tracy. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. All right, well, we got to we gotta ask the obvious stuff. O2 Indy 500. Who won the O2 Indy 500? I did. Yeah, all right. But so there, there's more to the story than just the, the last two laps. So it was a weird month for you guys to begin with. You guys had the G-Force chassis. And it was a little bit rough from what I understand. And you actually wadded one up pretty good and, and almost took yourself out of the race, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I hit the wall hard on uh, the morning of qualifying, Saturday morning. We freed the car up, and I lost it in turn two and backed it into the wall. And I f***ing tore myself all up. Bent, right. bent the steering wheel on my knees. Right, they, like, kicked back and yeah, kicked it all forward. Yeah, big yeah. accident. So I couldn't qualify the first weekend because we didn't have a spare car. So I went home, actually, back to Vegas. I'm like, I got to leave here and clear my head. This car sucked the whole time. And I was like, this, I was not having any fun. Right. I was actually went home. And I was like, I went for a bicycle ride. And I was out riding. And I ran into this guy that I, that I didn't really know that well. But I started training with him a lot after that in 02. He pulled up next to me on the bike. He looked at me. He's like, hey, you're Paul Tracy. I said, yeah. He goes, how come you're not an Indian? And I told him the whole story. And wow, the car's shitty. And I crashed. And I'm like, I don't even know if I want to go back. It's a waste of time. And he's like, oh, you got to go back. You got to go back. Just go back and kick ass. So anyway, I, I called Barry. And I'm like, listen, we don't have a car now. We got to rent. I, think, I don't know if we rented a car from somebody else or borrowed a car from somebody else for me to drive. But I just called Barry. I said, listen, if you guys don't want to run i said i'm more than happy to go to mid ohio and go test because we we're going to go to mid ohio midweek oh test the to the keep the car tie going yeah after we qualified we were going to go test in mid ohio and then come back for carb day wow he's like no no I, let's just we'll get a car and just come back next weekend we'll qualify put it in the show and we'll go so i'm like okay <laughs> so i come back and qualify at the back you know, I, fall, I don't even know where it was. like the like second to last row. 28 yeah. to 28, yeah. something like that. The yeah. car was, it was actually better. Right. <laughs> we, we, we went out and we had Robbie. Robbie had come by with a setup for, gave me a setup sheet, and it was completely different to our car. Yeah. And Robbie was running quick. And then I think we got our car from, uh, I don't know who we borrowed it from. I think we borrowed a car from Panther, or rented yeah. a car from Panther, and then we got a setup sheet from Panther, and. Because it was the same same deal with Chevy and right. the the whole way they ran their car was completely different to ours. So I was I went out and practiced and ran two twenty eights in the car, but right. we just qualified it with downforce and you was at the back of the pack anyway. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. 
in the race. I mean, in the race, I was I wasn't particularly fast. I ran like 223s and fours the whole race, two, 222s, and but I was at the back. I was just like I was going going around, and I was like I couldn't. It was hard to pass, so I was like. I was, we didn't get the gearing right or something, and I just was out on the limiter, and I couldn't get past guys. I'd, I'd get but there, but I'd just run. I'd hit, hit the, the limiter, limiter, and then they'd, I'd fall back, and guys turn it on me, and I was just kind of stuck. Right. You know, and I was just kind of steadily, slowly working my way through. It wasn't like it was going quick. And uh, I remember early in the race, I'm like, I came around, I look in the mirror, and f***ing Kanan's right on my ass to lap me, like uh. 20 laps into the race. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Right. Where did he come from? Right. Right, and it went yellow. Like, shit, all right. I didn't get lapped. Because once you're lapped, you're screwed. Yeah, that's it, right. So, go green again. Like, going, going, going. Like 20 laps later, Kanan's on my tail again. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like kind of stuck behind this car in front of me. And Kanan's like right there. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I going to do? So, I yank my, I yank my headrest pad <laughs> off the side of the... <laughs> Like my headrest pad, I had a pad and then a Velcroed pad to yeah. really have my helmet tight. Yeah. So I yanked the headrest pad off my car and I like throw it, throw it out of the car what? on the straightaway. <laughs> yeah. Kanan saw me do it. Has, it ever been, has that ever been told? Uh, yeah, it's been told That's between good. the drivers. Oh. I'm, I'm retired now. So, so I pull my headrest. Wow. Exclusive. And it was black, covered in you know, yeah, yeah. material, and I throw it out of the car and... It's laying in the middle of straightaway, and I, I like radio. Oh, there's, a, there's a piece of wing in the straightaway, <laughs> right? So uh, it goes yellow, and I, like, saved myself again. And yeah. Kanan, after the race, was like, you motherfucker. I saw you, <laughs> so you pull that headrest pad off, and I, I saw you, like, throw it out of the car. Yeah. Where my head would be so. at is it. You're only like a third into the race at this point. There's only so much headrest left. You guys do that. Well, it's, 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 the, it's the right side that matters. Sure, sure. Not sure. the left yeah, side. Yeah, Sean. All right. So Fair the, we get uh, another one at the pit stop. Yeah. The uh, guys do that all the time. I believe it. They do it in NASCAR all the time, too. They throw yeah. water bottles on the track and yeah. all kinds of crap. Yeah, you don't, hear, you don't really hear about it in IndyCar, though. No, no not yeah. going through 30. Yeah. Right. Yeah, not where really, like, that pad can, like, knock a wing off. Yeah. yeah. So th we <laughs> the race <laughs> so continued on, and we kind of got off strategy. And at the end of the race, there was guys. I was 10, uh, 10 laps to go. I was running fifth. And, like, now I'm, like, Everything was closing up. Right. And I was running 223s and 4s, and guys were saving fuel and trying to make it to the end. That's how you say off strategy. You were good to go, yeah. full rich, and nobody else was. Yeah. So you're, you're picking guys off. But go on. Yeah. So I was, they radioed me, and they're like, there was like 10 laps to go. And they're like, go, go, go. You got full fuel. Go as fast as you can go. You can win. And I'm like, I was catching guys, but I wasn't catching them that fast. And I'm, I came on the radio eight or nine to go, and I'm like, this is all I got. I'm going as fast as I can go. This, this is it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they really slowed they up. They start backing up, yeah. Yeah. And then Dario came out of the pits. He dove in for fuel and came out right in front of everybody and kind of, like, held everybody up some. And he kind of put a pick there for me. And that I picked off a couple guys, Vitor and somebody else, because they got jammed up. And then it was just me and Helio at the end. And, uh, you know, I made a pass on the outside. And granted, there was a crash behind us. I don't dispute that there was there was an accident behind us. But when the yellow flag when the yellow light came on, I was ahead of him by almost a car lamp when it went yellow. And uh, I messed around in this kangaroo court that the uh, arbitration board we protested it and they, they we went to this court hearing at the speedway and it was an arbitration panel. And the panel was Tony George, uh, some lawyer, and somebody else that worked for the Speedway. But they were all Speedway people. Yeah, Speedway yeah, yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, presented our case with video evidence and timelines and yeah. timing data, and all that showed me ahead by, by you know, three-quarters of a car length when the right. yellow light came on. Right. And they took a, a month to come back with a decision that our appeal wasn't appealable. Right. That was always the claim. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a judgment. They tried judgment to argue call. a procedural element. Yeah. yeah. So two two questions from that. Um, yellow. So you're ahead of Halio. Yellow light comes on. So for a solid three seconds in your head, you have won the Indy 500. Yeah. What, at what point were you told maybe not? Uh, well, 
when I started to drive in the pit lane, they're like, Barry came on the radio and he's like, hey, mate, just come to the pit box. So you've I'm already like, taken the checker. Yeah, I'd already taken the checker. That was a half half right. a track in front of Helio. Right. By, by the time he right. slowed down so much to make it under yellow right. to the checkered, I was literally half the track in front of him by then. Jesus, okay. Because I was full of fuel. And I, I was, just coast, I was like coasting around at 100 miles an hour and under yellow, right. waiting for the pace car, and he was going like 20, yeah. idling. Just to hold the fuel. Yeah. And, they, and they said, like, there's been a, there's a problem or something, right? Yeah. yeah. They said, come to the pit box. And I'm like, what's what's going on? And they're like, in drove, in drove, uh, Castro Neves to the victory lane and jumping out of the car and climbing the fence and I'm standing there in disbelief. Because yeah. you, you know? cross the line first. Yeah. yeah. So and, and my number's at the top of the pylon. Yeah. I'm like standing there and I'm like I'm like watching this and he's right in front of us and he's climbing the fence cheering to the crowd and my my number 26 is number one on the pylon. Go to, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Pylon, you know? So what's... I'm having to just think on the PR side like what are you telling yourself at this point? Like, don't lose your cool, or are you just, f it, I hate this place? I mean, what's No, what's your I mean, I didn't know what to think yeah, at yeah, the time. Nice. Barry was like, hey, we're going to protest. It's bullshit. We're going to protest. We're going right. to appeal it. And right. We did. And, uh, you know, it dragged on for a month and a half or two, right. and ultimately they kind of just... said you can't make an appeal was basically yeah. the claim. Yeah, yeah, they let us make an appeal and spend a... Barry spent a whole pile of money to present the case that showed that I won the race and then right. they told us we couldn't it wasn't appealable it was right. always a waste of time right so it was a big kangaroo court scam the argument between two sides I've always understood it was that IRL liked to make the claim that they called the yellow when the accident on the other side of the track happened um, but that there's a delay between them calling the yellow and the lights and whatnot coming on and that that was the gap between you being behind and you in, and being in front and obviously the argument you guys have always made was that the yellow came out when you were far ahead and by rule, therefore, you were you'd won the race. That's usually that the way it works, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, now now they know where cars are within within inches of right. each other. They, they've right. always known where cars are within inches of each other. When, yeah. when it goes yellow, they can sort out a NASCAR field of forty three drivers yeah. Yeah. on a speedway. By, track. By, on a speedway or yeah. a super speedway yeah. at Daytona, they can sort them out by inches from each other, right? Right. right. Where the what the order is, right? You know. That's good. Thank you. So when uh, so like. Even though he's going sports car racing next year, Halio's still at least got one more 500 left in him. If he was to take number four and, and set that kind of history, where do you stand on something like that? Does it still kind of um, bite at you? Uh, you know what? It, it doesn't really bother me anymore because it's been so so long ago. But it does, when I do go to the Speedway, I, I definitely do get agitated while I'm there. Like, I don't really like to go hang out there and, because yeah. I just get bothered by so many people saying, oh, you won, you won, you yeah. won. And people bring it up all the time. Like, yeah. And the Speedway sells these shirts. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've seen them. But they have these shirts with like all these, oh, with all the different yeah, boxes yeah. on them. And there's yeah. like one of, of uh, you know, like Danica having a temper tantrum. And there's another one of uh, somebody else. And there's another one. Of, you know, there's like there's a bunch of boxes on the shirt. And each one has a different driver in it. Okay. And then there's one box on the shirt that's me standing me standing there with a frown on my face and Helio running away with the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> and they sell these in the gift shop. Oh wow! And I was like, in it's like the biggest. You know, it's like the biggest running joke of all time. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That I got screwed there. It's like it's not a secret, you know. It's like, so, when I go to Indy, it's like, people are constantly coming up to me saying, "You won, you won, right. you won," and it just it just aggravates me. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you sorry know? for bringing it up. <laughs> You know, so not to keep harping on the O2 500 win, but, you know, it's everybody comes up to you and wants to say something about it. Is there sort of a way you just brush it off? I mean, I don't really know what to say other than I got Gunselman there. You know, it's like everybody comes up and says, oh, you won, you won, oh, you got screwed, you got And I'm like, I just got Gunselman. So at, at the end of the 2002 season, after all that went down, you won the most popular driver award for Champ Car, and in your speech you said you wanted to thank tony george for helping you win the win the award <laughs> i did i don't remember <laughs> yeah yeah you said thanks for helping me win this award i do i do have a story about the the most popular driver award yes you do and i got this fifty thousand dollar uh don't you know, i could donate it to a charity okay and at that time i was riding bicycles a lot you know and everybody was like lance armstrong was winning all those yeah. tour de france's from 98 to whenever it was but this, so this was 2002 I think it was one of his third or fourth tour by then and had this book that came out it's all about the bike mm -hmm. and how serious he was about his train book. and everybody read that book yeah, yeah. right so I donated the 50 grand to Lance Armstrong his foundation and uh, 
he sent me a nice letter thanking me and and uh, sent me an email and said, hey, you know, thank you for the donation. I'm I watch a little bit of racing. I'm a fan. I know who you are. And congratulations. And That's cool. Have a good season. And you know, blah blah blah. Here's my number. Oh, cool. So you saw it? He uh, no, no. <laughs> so he said to me, I traded a couple emails back and forth with me. He's like, where do you live? I said, oh, I said I live in Vegas. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna be in California doing a uh, you know training session and. Northern California for a few days, and they said that I'm coming to Vegas for to to hang out and and have some meetings. So if you're around, I'll, I'll give you a call. And we'll meet up, have a beer. Shit. I'm like, great. Yeah. So um, you know, a month goes by, and I, two months goes by. I don't hear, ever hear from him again. And one night, I'm sitting at home, and it was like a Friday night. And uh, he's like, Hey, Paul, it's Lance. I'm in town. You around? I said, Yeah, I'm in town. He's like, Yeah, I'm here at the Mandalay Bay, and I was just in Santa Barbara. We were riding and blah, blah, blah. And I'm down at the Mandalay Bay. And you want to come meet for a drink? I'm like, sure. He's like, well, I'm busy in a meeting right now. So I'll call you in a little while. And once I'm once I'm done with this meeting, come down. I'm like, cool. So I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. Don't, a couple of hours goes by. He calls me at like 10 o'clock at night. He's like, hey, I'm still in this meeting. But uh, come down. By the time you get down here, I'll be done. All right. So I get drive down there. And... Uh, I get there and I'm waiting and I'm in the casino. He's like, "Hey, I'm still in this meeting." <laughs> he goes, "I'm still in this meeting," but uh, he goes, uh, "Are you by yourself? Did you bring anybody?" I'm like, "No, I'm by myself." He goes, "Okay, cool. I'll send a security guard. Go to the elevator. I'm in the foundation room, which is the top floor. It's this private club in the Mandalay Bay." He goes, "I'll send a security guard down to get you." I'm like, "Okay." I go by the elevator and this guy comes down. He gets me, takes me up, and. Uh, walks me back in the, into these private rooms and opens up the door and there's Lance in there and there's a couple of his manager guys, I can't remember the names now off the top of my head, and a couple other riders and about about ten prostitutes. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yes. and a, a whole f table full of alcohol, like wine and right. Jack Daniels Whatever you and want. beer. Yeah. And yeah. It's like they were raging. In this, and so we, I hung out there for a little bit, and they're like, "Hey, where's the club? We what's can go what's to? a little the club? bit?" They were, they were, they were going pretty good. Like so, a couple hours? Oh no! I, I like from there we left. We went to a club. I took them to the Palms. Okay. And, okay. and we went to this uh, club in the Palms, and I, I left at five in the morning, and they were still going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. So after reading the book, it's all about the bike and training and yeah, yeah. and all of this. I was like. God damn, <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's a f***ing animal, <laughs> you know? And then I was like, because it was complete opposite of what you, the perception was. What you right? Right, so, right, yeah, yeah. And now, years the down the road, out, yeah. and everything that's happened with him, yeah. everything everything that he portrayed himself to be was f***ing total right. shenanigans, right? right? It was like the complete opposite, yeah. you know? But at that time, when he had his book out, he was all about him and his wife and their kids right. and yeah, yeah, know, yeah, his right. family man. And it was all about training and okay. riding his right. bike and sure. beating cancer. And uh, right. I go to meet him for the first time in Vegas, and he's right. he's with ten prostitutes. Yeah, he's like, here's Candy and Natasha. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Shortly after when I met him is when him and his wife split up. Like within a, within a month huh. after that, that him and his wife split, got Copy. divorced. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go anywhere with that. So that's where my 50K. Uh, hey, live strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live strong. Live yeah. strong. Live strong. My uh, most popular driver so award funded money went. So Tony George helped you witness the destruction of a marriage yeah. of an American <laughs> hero. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony George uh, apparently offers you a ride later on. And uh, your comment or your reply was, I'm not driving for hamburgers and hot dogs. True. Is that because, does that mean he offered you no money? Uh. Yeah, I, he paid me pretty good for that one race that I did for him at Edmonton. At Edmonton, yeah, he did yeah. pay me pretty good money for that race, and yeah. I did pretty well in the race. Yeah. I hadn't been in a car for right. at all. Right. I hadn't driven anything for months and months and months. I think I finished fourth or fifth at Edmonton, so didn't get me anywhere. But like, you know? was the initial offer not very good? No. And that's no. why he said the thing, and then he yeah. came back with okay. Yeah, and I don't even remember what the number was, but it right. wasn't anywhere near what I was getting paid with Forsyth to drive. Gotcha. Okay. So that was a weird, a weird time for me because I wanted to continue with For with Forsyth and finish out my career with him, and he just did not want any part of the IRL. Yeah. And uh, basically, when that whole 
Champ car imploded. He was basically I'm out. pulled out. I'm out. Yeah. But still had me under contract and wouldn't release me to do anything. But he's paying you. No, he wasn't paying oh, me. He wasn't fuck. paying me. He stopped paying me. Well, then that's not yeah, right. He, he, he uh, stopped paying me but wouldn't release me. So I had to, like, take him to take him to court that to get, get the money I was owed. Yeah, out oh, of especially after was, the run you had. Yeah, it got messy at the end. And it got messy for no reason. Yeah. You know? That's weird. Was it – I mean, it seemed like the last couple of years of Forsyth were rough. I mean, obviously – 07 was a bad year for you with uh, the crash at Long Beach and missing a handful of races. Oh, I mean, the rumor I've always heard was 06 was tough, too, that he felt like he kind of rescued A.J. Allmendinger from from almost having no career, and then all of a sudden A.J. has a good half season, and then yeah. both the NASCAR. He felt, he felt as, as though he rescued A.J. and, and jump-started his career, yeah. and then A.J. just dumped him for right, As soon as he NASCAR. got another offer, he dumped him for the big money. And yeah. So, rightly so. I think he, he was felt a little bit <coughs> slighted by that. And... I don't think at the end, the end of Champ Car, he was he was willing to keep going, but I don't think it was any fun for him anymore. Yeah, right. You know, because yeah. he was funding most of the paddock, sure. giving people free cars and equipment, and you know, oh, right. you need you need uh, you don't have any money for to fix your car. Well, we'll give you the parts, and so him and yeah. Kevin were, and I don't know how much Kevin was putting in, into it, right. but I know that I know that Jerry was funding a lot of teams, and. Supplying them equipment and giving right. them trucks and trailers and pit equipment and on a future that's just not looking bright yeah, at the time so of the series. So. He was willing to keep going, but I don't think it was any fun for him anymore. Yeah, and the writing had been you on know, the, the day the days of the twenty million dollar budget from players. Yeah, and everything's it's profitable. Right, and now you're spending a hundred million dollars or two hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, keeping a series going. I think you know he was willing to do it if he had partners to do it, but right. Paul, I don't think Paul and Paul and Kevin didn't have the wherewithal to keep going. Really. Yeah, right. And they bailed, and I think Paul tried tried to hang on with Jerry. Right. But Jerry said, "I'm Paul not being I, I, Yeah, I can't yeah. do it without somebody else with money. Yeah, I need a partner in it. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to do this all alone. Do you think if the culture shifted or or just legislation shifted and tobacco money came back, that the the game would change? Oh yeah. 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 It would inject huge amounts of cash into the sport. That's kind of our joke is like we're trying to figure out a way to make tobacco sponsorship only for motorsports because it would revive it yep. across the board. It really would. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, once it all went away, it's yeah, the whole sport changed. The whole point. sport has changed. Financially, it's changed yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really has. Well, if Cool or Marlboro or players want to sponsor some racing podcasts, we are not under FCC legislation. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right, so you're known for being the guy with the toys. What about this 2,000-horsepower sand rail? <laughs> yeah. Is, is that a thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like, I like driving my sand rail. All right. And yeah, you need mine, that much? Mine doesn't have 2,000 horsepower. Mine's, like, probably at the crank, it's probably 1,400. Oh. Just oh, only. Got it. All right. I'm glad we cleared at that the At the tires, it's like, it's like I hope I'm going to dyno it here in, a, in about a week because I rebuilt the motor. I hope it's going to be, like, 1150th tires. 12, maybe. Uh, we'll keep our fingers can you, crossed for you. I mean, can you even put that down? What's the point? <laughs> yeah, you can't. Okay. There's guys. Uh, I, I, know a guy, I know a guy in California that's he's going to have me drive his car because he's just a businessman. He owns a trucking company. Yeah. He just ran 175 miles an hour. On sand. On, on sand. sand. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Rumor has it your time at Doran started a trend of grabbing people's nuts. <laughs> Wait, no. no. Fittipaldi's. Fittipaldi's no, nuts. Fittipaldi started that. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough, but you continued this trend. Yeah, with, with Tommy, and he didn't like it. <laughs> he uh, he didn't take a liking to that. He's, he's very homophobic, Tommy. I don't know if that's the case. I think no. maybe he just doesn't want you grabbing his balls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was just this was just a Tommy thing where you would just go for it, just randomly. Well, what would ha- what would happen is uh, I told Tommy the story, and he's like, "Well, t- well what? How did how did it go down for the first time?" Well, the first time I came in, we're racing at Daytona during the twenty-four hour. Yeah, during the okay. twenty-four hour, yeah. Christian did the first couple stints, and then it was my turn to get in, and we were, we were leading the race or running well. And yeah, this is Fittipaldi. Yeah, yeah their yeah. program was is that driver jumps out, driver gets in, and the other driver that got out it does up the belts yeah, for yeah. the other guy. So he does up my belts, my lap belts, and I plug in my top belts and I strap down. And he's like, just before he closes the door. He he reaches in and he yells in my in my face. He's like, he goes, "You better haul ass, motherfucker!" and grabs a hold of, <laughs> grabs a hold of my junk, and squeezes it, <laughs> right? 
Are we talking like pain grabs? Yeah, just like, hard. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, gave, yeah. It, gave it a full grab. Full on detail. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, I, told, I told Tommy that story and did it to him. And he's like, Tommy goes, if you ever do that again, he goes, he goes we're going to have a problem. And then another time. I did it, did it again, and he like he wouldn't talk to me for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, we heard. <laughs> we heard. Yeah. We heard that you had your wife call him. Yeah. And d- hey, Paul, Paul, Paul misses you. Patch it up. Patch it up. And you guys are how old at the time? That was that wasn't that. Well, I was probably in oh oh five. <laughs> <laughs> well into adulthood, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like it. Cool. So one of my favorite phrases of PT history was the Uber comment about Marco at Watkins Glen a couple of years ago, which you're giving me no reaction to whatsoever. <laughs> Just Sounds like cold. somebody got a lecture. <laughs> yeah. Was there any fa- – obviously, I'm sure maybe corporately NBC might have said something. No, nothing. No, nothing. They are, really? They didn't say anything. The only thing that NB- NBC has ever told me is just be yourself. Yeah. You can say whatever you want. Because Robin Miller says all kinds of crazy Oh, yeah. Like he's, he man. doesn't pull back at all on some bastard. of the, his theories on things and what he thinks is going to yeah. go on and rumors and that. He, sometimes he could be a, a mile off right. what's going on. But I said that, and Marco actually didn't even care. Really? He thought it was funny. Okay. But Michael didn't like it at all. Right. He, he flipped out and called the series and said I should be reprimanded. Really? Yeah, he got all bent he out of shape about it. the guy. You've known him for... He, him and I don't years. get along that well. Really? Yeah, he's got no sense of humor either. I said it jokingly, but about wait, does that and mean? I, you know, I, I I'm the first to give Marco praise when he does well, and qu- or if he qualifies well or has a good practice, I'll say he has. But he uh, he just freaks out too much. Uh, you mentioned Robin Miller having uh, some crazy conspiracies and whatnot in racing. Um, Forget racing for a second. In life, would you consider yourself like a crazy conspiracy theory guy? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I don't. I don't believe things I see on the media, and I don't believe, you know, everything I read and hear. Sure. You know. So like, we don't have to get into it, but like the Vegas shooter, World Trade Center Seven. <laughs> like, are you? Uh, I just don't believe believe the media and all of that. I, sure. I don't believe that there was only one person. That, I don't believe one 65-year-old man pulled off that whole thing on his own. In Vegas. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. no way. Fair enough. It's not possible. You know? And it's now it's not media. It's not uh, not even an issue. It's not even brought up anymore. You don't even see right. it on the news One anymore. week later. It's, it's like a week later. It's f***ing old news. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know? They got their guy and the story's over. Right. You'll never know the truth. True. You know? That's the way I feel about it. Is there uh, anything over the last several years that you think is particularly misrepresented? Uh, it can be that one or, or, like, we keep talking about World Trade Center 7 or JFK. Like, is there anything in that, any of those realms that uh, you feel are particularly misrepresented? No, I mean, not so much. I mean, the, the, the latest thing is obviously that shooting in Vegas. Yeah. And I actually know I know a dozen people that were at that concert. Yeah. I know lots of people that were there. You know, and I a buddy, uh, a, a girl I know that her, her boyfriend was literally... They were all over the news. Her, her boyfriend was carrying dead bodies out of the out of the place. Right. Right. So it's really affected them. Yeah, of course. In a bad way. Right. And it's a shame that nobody will really will really ever know. I don't think anybody will really know the whole truth behind that whole thing. Right. Because I just don't feel why. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Why would somebody bust out two windows to take shots? Why would you yeah. shoot out of one? Sure. You know that that doesn't make sense to me. Sure. You know. So you've been married three times. Yeah. Give me some advice on women. Uh, well, I've never been married. Now they're Sean. Stay, yeah. stay unmarried. Okay. <laughs> stay unmarried. Okay. I've uh, <laughs> not had not had good luck with that. So is that a driver thing? Like because so much of a driver's uh, life is committed to something and being selfish, or yeah, somewhat. I mean, my my first marriage, I got married really young. How old? Like young. I was like right when I first started my Penske. Oh yeah. Penske oh wow. Career. Okay. So. Yeah. And uh, that didn't work out, and we still don't get along to this day. But we had two kids, which which was great. So my uh, my second wife was I loved her like crazy, and she was great. She was my biggest supporter. And um, as we were as my racing career was going along, I was pretty reckless, pretty wild at those those times. And there was some guys that got killed at that time in '96, '97. And my wife at that time was a she was a wreck at the races. She was a nervous wreck. So 
and it's a shame what happened. She started like kind of taking taking stuff to calm down, anxiety Ooh. medicine, oh, right. that bad. Ambien, just because yeah. I was I was wild, yeah. yeah, and she would be a wreck, and uh, and I didn't really take notice of it. You know, I was kind of blind to it. Yeah. I didn't want to, you know. She would go to the hospital unit and get, they'd give her something to calm down. She'd just be pacing around all over the place yeah. and like having a panic attack when I was when I was on the track and right. nobody really told me about it. And uh, as time went on, she just started taking more and more and more and it became obviously obvious to a lot of people. And I shipped, I sent her off to a rehab and told her she had to go to rehab yeah. and she skipped out of it after a day and, you know, and said, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I promise, I promise, I promise, I won't do it anymore and blah, blah, blah. And then, okay, took her, you know, she came back and then a month later started doing it again and sent her off to another rehab and, I mean, it was just kind of an ongoing thing and I finally had to put my foot down and uh, put an end to it and say either, either you're going to stop or I'm leaving you. Right. And and I left, and she didn't think I would leave, and I, I left her, and she just kind of spiraled out of control. My, uh, she actually died of a drug overdose. Yeah, so it was, it was a bad deal. It's a shame, really. So it's almost it was about 11 or 12 years ago now that she died. Yeah. So. so my last my last wife, we had a Patty. We had a great relationship. Things were good for a long, long, long time, and after I retired, it was just. I don't know. We just kind of grew apart. Yeah. Kind of stopped hanging out with each other and kind of just went in separate directions in our lives. My life changed and her life changed and her kids got older and just I don't know. It just didn't work out, yeah. which was a shame because I, you know, it was hard for me. I didn't like splitting up with her. Right. Yeah. So prenup. Is oh yeah. Definitely. You better get a prenup. <laughs> they don't like it when you bring that up either. <laughs> But you've made, you know, a career out of racing, and you raced in the tobacco heyday, so money was always yeah. more flowing than it is now. So that was something that's probably a real concern, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I was making a lot of money for a long time. So yeah. right. I definitely had – my first marriage, I didn't have a prenup, but the, the, the two after that I did, and yeah. neither one of them liked it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's, not an easy, it's not an easy thing to bring up. Right. So as an on-air TV correspondent for IndyCar, are you making better money on TV not driving than some of these guys that are yeah yeah i would say but then some not the top guys but sure they you know tv stuff pays pretty well right yeah yeah interesting i can't i don't know how to phrase this right on the tv said you how uh how do you how serious do you take it and here's what i mean by that i mean obviously you, it's a job you're going to take it serious but but i mean guys like calvin or some of the other guys we talk about talk about how you know, really uh, kind of competitive with themselves they are in terms of making sure they do just as good a job on, on the air and they're doing all the research and reading every press release and going through the stats and all that. He's <laughs> <laughs> shaking so his head. So you shaking your head. Like, I, don't, well, I, don't have the, I don't have the responsibilities that Calvin has yeah. or or uh, Brian Till or, or Lee Diffie. I don't have to read off commercials. You and just have to have insight. I don't yeah. have to memorize uh, when they're going into commercial break and they need to get a plug-in for something. Right. I don't have to do all that. I just have to sit there... Awesome. Yeah, all right. I just have to sit there and watch the TV and, and commentate on what guys are actually doing driving. Yeah. So it's easy for me. Yeah, I don't yeah. have to study anything. And the good thing about, for me, is I don't really have to go and read these press releases and read the phony crap they put out. I can walk pretty much into anybody's trailer. Right. Whether it be Dixon or Canaan and, and get the straight yeah. Yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. I don't want this set on air, but. You know, here's, you, here's what you can say, but right, uh, right. I can't say this, I can't say that on TV, but I can get the straight stuff. And I yeah. don't throw throw them under the bus. They'll tell me straight up what's going on or yeah. what their problems are. But this is what, okay, this is what you can say, and yeah, yeah, and I'll I'll say that. So I can go in and talk to any driver and still and just walk in a truck, because most of the crew guys in the whole paddock, I've worked with somebody at right. some trailer, right? And I can walk up to any truck. And just walk in the truck and knock on the engineering door and, and come in, right? Because right? there's somebody in the room that I've either worked with at you some know, point yeah. that I know. Or at least they know you. Guys like yeah, yeah. Calvin and Lee, and they, they can't do that. You can't walk in somebody's trailer or walk yeah. in their motorhome and say, hey, what's up? Tell me what's right. going on. Yeah. Right. You know? But that puts you in an advantageous position that when the race is over, between that and the next practice, a week or two later, you can shut down. Yeah. That's nice. So, so something I've always wondered about you because you're a bigger guy. And my weight is like 
I have to really stay on top of it or I just I gain weight. Yeah. Is that something that you dealt with over your career yeah. that you had to yeah, fight I've with? I've always been a bigger guy. Like yeah. I've always my dad's big, my the mom's same. my mom's pretty big. Yeah. And I've always been a bigger guy. The lightest I that I ever was was in two thousand three was I was hundred and seventy five, hundred and eighty pounds in two thousand three. Yeah. That's the yeah. lightest I've ever been. Yeah. Right. I was hundred and seventy pounds when I was sixteen. Right. Right. You know? So I've always had to like work at it, work my ass off to yeah. like I get it. Lose weight, yeah. you know, or, or stay light. I don't even know what my weight is now. I'm scared to get on a scale. <laughs> you happy? I'm fine, yeah. I'm fine. Yeah, then don't fucking yeah. worry about it. <laughs> so, cool. Yeah, it's all, that's always been a struggle for me because I'm not a 140-pound guy. Were you, you con know? were you like, self-conscious about it? Or are you just like, this is me? Well, with a it? little bit. I mean, a little bit, but I would also look at it. I know what my, stre I knew what my, I know what my strengths are, too, though. Mm -hmm. You know? And I've never fallen out of the saddle. I've never been tired at the end of a race. Right. I'm always coming on strong at the end of there. a race. Yeah. So, and I've seen guys that are 150 pound guys that yeah. are all in shape and claim to be in shape, and they're like, at the end of the race, they're like dying. Yeah. You can't even get them out of the car. They're so tired. Right. So, that would be my okay. You want me to be? I'm not going to be that size. Right. And if I'm that size, I'm I'm going to be weak. So, yeah. I've always just worked off of my strengths. Yeah. You know. That's cool. Okay. I might I might it might cost me a little bit in qualifying. I might not qualify as well. The only, <clears throat> it's kind of interesting because it, there was no weight equal equalization in IndyCar racing up until 2003. Yeah. My last, my last pole position on a road road and street course, I had I scored a pole at Laguna Seca in 2004. I didn't have a pole on a road course again until 2003. <laughs> And that was the first year that they equalized the weights. Right. Yeah. And I was I was within I was light at that point, and I was within ten pounds of everybody. Right. Yeah. You know because of the way they added weight and took away weight off the cars. So, and then at that year I got seven poles. There you go. Yeah, and it says something. Yeah. But when I didn't uh, when I couldn't do anything about it, I didn't dwell on it. Right. Yeah. I didn't think of, okay, I, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to qualify good here. Yeah. I just did the best I could, and it wasn't like I was terrible. Right. You know, you're Paul Tracy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I knew what my strengths were in the race. Right. Yeah, you know? yeah. Out there. Uh, one of the things that w we sat down with Tommy Kendall two years ago, first year we did this, and he was like extremely open. He talked about everything from like highs and lows of his relationships and his career, yeah. and things like that. And uh, one of the things that we talked with him about was you and him had a big falling out a couple of years ago, and uh, didn't talk for a while. I thought it was over grabbing his nuts. Well, there was <laughs> two falling outs. <laughs> yeah. One was over just, like, some bullshit amongst guys, and the other one was a grabbing nuts story. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna say it because I think he'd, he'd appreciate it, but um, he mentioned that after Dan Weldon passed at Vegas, you guys kind of patched things up, and it was you that took the yeah. initiative to kind of reach out to him. Why was that? Like, why did you? I don't even remember what we've had a falling out about. Apparently, you guys were drinking and carrying on, and you made some comment. Yeah, that, I guess that was upsetting. giving each other shit, you got a little personal, but it also might have been a career point in your in your life where you might have been pretty frustrated. Um, you know, to be honest, to be honest with you, like when when Dan died, I had I actually had a very hard time. Um, after I kind of never really officially announced I was retiring. I never came out and said I'm not driving anymore. Yeah, I just kind of like faded off, and I remember driving home from Vegas and after that happened I left the track and I didn't I didn't stay there for this that lap that they did yeah. where they, I, I, I left and uh, I went back to the hotel and I grabbed you know I said to my wife at the time I said let's just get the f*** out of here I got, we gotta go home yeah. and uh, cause I knew it was bad I didn't even wait to find out whether he had died I already knew that he died yeah. cause I was I was actually standing in the I was in the hospital unit which is a small little room, like tiny. There was 15, 15 of us in this room, right? And Will Power was in there, and everybody was in there. And Will was freaking out because his back was hurt, and he was, he was, he gets emotional too, and he was tripping out, and I was trying to calm him down, and then, you know, all of a sudden, they're like, there was this commotion going on. They're telling everybody, get out, get out, get out, get out. Yeah. We haven't even seen a doctor yet. Like, it, Fifteen of us come in this room, and they're supposed to take everybody's pulse yeah. and check everybody out, make sure nobody's got a concussion. Right. They're like, everybody's sitting around, and like everybody's freaking out, and and all of a sudden, they're like, 
somebody comes in this room and they're like, everybody get out, 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 out. And I'm like, they're funnel filing everybody out the door. And I'm like, shit, I forgot my helmet in there. My helmet's on the, sitting on the floor and the, on the ground, my helmet and my Hans device. So I go back in the room to get my helmet and it was over by this other door in the corner of the room. And I get my helmet off the ground and the door swings open and they roll Dan in on this gurney and literally his head was like smashed flat like a pancake. Like he, like he was on this stretcher, door flies open, they roll him in and his head, like literally his head was like a pancake. It was just smashed flat. And I was like, there was blood all over the place. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I grabbed my helmet and I walked out. And I went back to the garage and they're like, and uh, they're like waiting around to see what we're going to do and whether they're going to race and they're going to do this or they're going to do that or we're going to do like these memorial laps. And they had to call this driver's meeting with Mario and and uh, I remember pulling Dario to the side and I'm like, hey, I was in the room when, the, when Dan came in and I said, it's bad. He's like, well, how bad? I said, it's bad. It's not it's bad. And they're like, my car was demolished. So everybody was sitting around trying to figure out what to do, you know, for the fans that were there. And they're like, okay, we're going to do this one lap. And I'm like, well, I don't even have a car. I'm leaving. So I left and I went back to the hotel and I got my bag and we drove back to Phoenix. And I was driving back and I was like, my wife was like, why, why are we still doing this? I already knew that they already announced he was dead. And she's like, why do you still want to do this? Like, you're not getting paid to drive. You're not you're having to find money. Why do you want to do this? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know why I'm doing it. You know, I want, I want to win again, you know, one more time. She's like, well, you're not in good enough equipment to win anymore. And I'm like, I know. And I just kind of decided, okay, I'm going to stop. But I didn't really want to stop. I want, you know, I wanted, I didn't really have the desire to do it anymore the way I was doing it, but I also didn't want to stop. So, but I stopped. And I was kind of like, I had a hard time accepting that for a while. And that's probably why my marriage with, with Patty probably fell apart, because I was in a grumpy mood for a long, right. for about a year and a half. I was just in a crap mood the whole time until I got the TV gig. You know, I kind of sat around the house and was in a bad mood the whole time. Yeah. You know? So on that drive back or a couple of days after that, you think, like, you haven't talked to TK in a while and maybe patch things up with him? Or yeah, I don't, really I don't really remember how that, how that went because it's yeah. all kind of a – a lot of that is kind of a blur. Sure. But, um, you know, first, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. Yeah. I just reached out to him. Were you close with Dan? Pretty close. Yeah. Not, not super close. Not as close as Dario and sure. TK and, yeah. and those guys. But I was, you know, pretty good friends with him. Yeah. He liked to party. <laughs> he was a partier. So we've heard. Yeah, he was a good partier. Yeah. Yeah, he he liked to party as well. Did he hit you the hardest? What about something like Greg's or? Uh... Greg's, Greg, Greg's deal, I just kind of numbed it all out and blocked it out of my head yeah. at that time. And that's yeah. when my, my second wife, when Greg died, that's when she, like, really started taking the pills because yeah. so, she just was because I used to hang around with Greg a lot I'm sure yeah. you know we used to he used to come to my motor home or I'd go to his motor home and we'd play video games and just like you know it would be dudes. like at that yeah. time there was like there was like this crew of drivers it was like me and Greg and Dario and TK and yeah. Robbie yeah. And there was a, a, a half a dozen of us that had motor homes and we'd all just hang out with each other at yeah. night and go in somebody's motor home and just do your thing yeah, yeah. Play video games and stuff like that. What so was what was the go-to game? It was uh, Goldeneye. No, no, it was a driving game. It was uh, Mario Kart. No, <laughs> no, not Mario. It was Kart. a simulator. What was, Mario what Kart. Was big, yeah. What was the big uh, driving game back then? Need for Speed. Got in the late nineties. Uh, yeah. Like a real racing game or just like a fun one? No, you could like the the more you did it, the better cars you could get. You could uh, like upgrade them. Like Gran Turismo. Or Gran Forza. Turismo. Oh, okay. original yeah, Gran yeah. Turismo. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's original Gran That's Turismo. Awesome. Yeah. Who was the best? Don't say uh, you. No, I wasn't the best at it. <laughs> Greg was pretty good at it. Was Dario it? was pretty good at it. Yeah. But I wasn't the best at all. You know who was pretty good at it was was uh, Johnny O'Connell. No, it was uh, <laughs> Robbie was pretty good at it too. All right, let's let's bring this back to a positive note. Um, what's the coolest Greg Moore story you have? Because just his parties, his parties were always good. Yeah, you know, he was just a normal normal kid. 
normal kid, you know, not pretentious. Yeah. Like to have a good time, like to drink some beers, and he was fast as yeah. brave, yeah. crazy, and just a normal kid. Yeah. You know, he was he just wasn't he just wasn't pretentious. You know, one of the things that came out of Dario's interview that we didn't really—I mean, we know the story—but to hear his kind of say a- attitude about it, he he had a bit of a bit of a spite towards Helio because Helio gets the ride. At Penske, when yeah. Greg, when Greg passes, yeah, I know, I know, Dario doesn't have a lot of fond feelings for Helio. Yeah, I mean, he didn't say anything negative except that it pisses him off that he never really pays tribute yeah. to Greg for getting that seat because yeah. he passed away. Yeah, I mean, it's that's kind of true. I mean, yeah. Greg, that was Greg's seat, and yeah. Greg died, and Helio got the seat, and Helio's never really kind of acknowledged. You know, if it wasn't for you know, I, I kind of owe this to Greg because yeah. I would have had this opportunity if it wasn't for him passing. So I, I can see Dario's Dario's point yeah. in that. He was kind of the new Canadian kid in town. Was there any like uh, when he first showed up? Was there any like what the fuck is this thing? You know, was there any was there any that kind of that moment? <laughs> no. What's no, up I with wasn't this? Sure. What's up with this beautiful guy? What is this beautiful man. <laughs> no. It's also from Canada. No, yeah. he, I mean he, he was really good in Indy Lights. So I wa- I watched him coming up through Indy Lights. Yeah. I actually saw him, t- heard about him first. In Formula Fords in 2000 in Canada, he was yeah. winning a lot. And yeah. So I, I knew about him before he got to Indy Lights and did really well in Indy Lights. Yeah. So I mean, you, you, you didn't know anything about us walking in, and you've obviously given us plenty of time. Was there a sort of like a Paul Tracy legacy you're hoping people who don't get to sit down to dinner with you would, would take away? Uh. Well, I guess what you guys already said. I'm not. I'm. <laughs> I have this. I have this. Uh, Reputation of being the wild, crazy, start fights, and I'm not really that way. I'm pretty calm and, yeah. and normal in person. I wish you'd get your I hands do off have my nuts. I though. do have a fiery. <laughs> I do have a fiery temper on the track. Yeah. I I don't like to sit behind people. Like if I had to sit behind a car for 20 laps, I'd yeah. just shove it out of the way. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of my driving style. But I just, you know, I drive. You know, I I drove with everything out on the table and out of the car. I'm pretty normal. But again, get your hands off my nuts, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that it keeps doing it's it. It's weird. You just keep doing it. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So, uh, well, we've got Dario out in the car, actually. Yeah. He's even wearing wait. his Team Cool Green suit. Yeah, I, got so a, I got a Dario stuff. story. Boy, do you. Oh, well, t- well he can wait. Tommy, yeah, Tommy he can Kendall wait. didn't tell you about this one. No, go Lay for it. Because he told me I should have I framed this and kept it. Okay. Here we go. 2002. I don't know what happened, but Dario and I, we were at Denver. Dario and I were at the back. For some reason, we started at the back of the field. We were way at the back, like 19th and 20th or something. Yeah. And we made, you know, we made this agreement. Okay, let's just get to the first corner and get through the first corner and not have a problem and go racing. I'm like, okay, cool. So we get to the first corner and I lock up and I hit Dario from behind <laughs> and knock him out of the race. I broke his suspension. And knocked him off. You know, this turn one at Denver was like this big hairpin. Yeah, right. You know, this big, huge run, you know, runoff area. And I drilled him in the back and took him out. And he was pissed at me. And rightly so, he was pissed. But I kept going. And I actually got a pretty decent finish out of it, out of the race. And I, as soon as I got out of the car, I was signing with Forsyth. So I didn't get back to the truck. I kind of avoided going to the truck because I knew everybody was going to be pissed. And, uh, that's the last race of the year? No, there was a couple more races okay. to go after that. I got you. And I, I went to the f- player's tent, and I signed my contract with players, and I get back. I'm kind of avoiding everybody. Like as soon as you get out of the car? Yeah. It's that, I that's that important. Every, it was, it was, it was, Is that I, normal? Well, I got, silent, I got silent treatment from everybody. When I got out of the car yeah. after the race, so even though I got a good finish out of it, yeah. I kind of got the silent treatment from everybody. Oh, <laughs> took the car out. I got it. So, so yeah. is it like, and I'm going to go sign this contract then? Yeah. Oh. Well, the contract, <laughs> yeah. Was, the contract been made. was being negotiated as the race was going on with my manager and, what? and the players or the players' cigarette people. Huh. So this is like straight out of Driven. Yeah. They, so they're like radioing <laughs> it in. <laughs> no, two years. <laughs> so I go leave and I go sign the contract and and then then I get I got to go see Dario and he's waiting for me at the somebody the PR girl says Dario and Barry are waiting for me. At the uh, hospitality, and I go over to the hospitality, and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, brother. He was fucking mad. This is the maddest I've ever seen him. He's like, yeah. motherfucker, fuck. 
and he was he was pissed at me and i'm like i'm sorry i'm sorry he's like okay okay I, it, it, things calm down with me yeah. with him and i very quickly all the time and uh i like you say all the time like it's a problem well <laughs> like we, it we had a, a couple of run-ins with each other yeah. over the years As over teammates the six even. years we crashed into each other probably four times Jeez. maybe once every year the one thing you're not <laughs> supposed <laughs> to do right so he calmed down and everything was cool and then i leave i leave the cool hospitality and i go back to my bus and I'm, i walk up to my bus and there's a envelope on the door i open this envelope and it's a it's a like a five-page letter from Ashley Judd. No way. <laughs> yeah. What? And it's like, <laughs> wait, every bad word you can possibly imagine was in there. Handwritten or typed? Handwritten. Jesus. You you're the biggest oh. piece of shit I've ever come across <laughs> in my entire life. You've almost tried to kill my husband, and you're trying to kill my family, and it went on and 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 yeah. on and on. You saw that letter? No, that's what Damn everybody it. said. Oh. Damn it. Damn it. And it ends with dictated but uh, not read. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't keep the letter. I threw oh, it away. Yeah. Wow. And then, That's amazing. And then I didn't – I, we went one or two more races. Uh, there was one or two more races in the year. I never ran into Ashley from 02. My first time back to Indy was 09. And they parked my, my bus. I was ended up being parked in the motorhome lot right next to Dario. Yeah. So I came, <laughs> I came out of the motorhome at like 6.30 in the morning one morning to go to the gym. And I like I walk outside to get in my car, and Ashley's standing like literally from me to you away. She's yeah. standing at the front of her Dario's bus, and uh -huh. I'm at the front of my bus. Yeah. And she's like, "Hi, Paul." I'm like, "Hi, Ashley." <laughs> Hello. And I'm like, "This is really weird, <laughs> right?" Because I haven't spoken to her since this yeah. since this letter. Five yeah. page yeah. report. She's like, "Can I talk to you for a minute?" Oh God. Like, oh Never gosh. a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Never a good thing. Especially when a woman from an actress. That. Yeah. Or she's a like, woman. Can I speak yeah, to you a minute? <laughs> I'm like, "Oh God." I'm busy. Here it comes. Yeah. I got a meeting. She was like. I really, I really want to apologize for that letter that I left you on my on your bus. She goes, I was really upset in the moment, and I know you and Dario are great friends. Yeah, and yeah. You didn't do it on purpose, but I was just so worked up about it, and he was in the bus, and he was so upset, and I got upset, and blah, 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 blah. It went on and on and on for more than 10 minutes more than I wanted to talk. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, So she apologized. <laughs> Seven years later. At that point, you go, I never got it. What do you? Yeah. <laughs> what letter? Yeah. I said, uh, I told her it's okay. I said I've been called a million times worse by a lot of other, <laughs> other people. Was she was she the craziest of the the wags? <laughs> yeah, yeah, by a hundred miles. <laughs> I remember in again it was in 02. Dario and I were one and two on the grid, and. Uh, you know, they had all these tro these grid girls around, Molson, Molson girls around, right? They were all good-looking girls. Canada knows what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she says to the promoter, she says, uh, Dario's not driving in this race if there's one of those girls standing by his car at the start of the race. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and that's settle. what the promoter said. Oh, Jesus. Right. <laughs> right. Settle. Like, settle. <laughs> settle. And then. She, the promoter sits there for a minute and apparently says back to her, well, he goes, uh, they're our sponsor, and if he doesn't want to drive in the race, then that's that's on him. Yeah. So then she goes, she goes to uh, Barry. I mean, causes this huge stink. She says, Dario's not driving in this race if these girls are around <sighs> his car. Right. And Dar I'm like, I'm looking at Dario, and Dario's just like, sorry. Uh, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's really it was sweet. a whole big scene. Yeah. Right. So, ultimately, they kind of told the team, "Listen, the sponsor girls of our, you know, title sponsor of the yeah. race are going to be by the car. This is the business. Regardless. So right. if, you, if Dario doesn't want to drive, or his wife doesn't want him to drive, that's on him. Yeah. So right. they, the girls were there, and Ashley shows up on the grid with this. This is what a feminist looks like. Oh, shirt off okay. at that okay. race. Yeah. Remember right. that? Okay. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. 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 That was the start of her whole. She wrote on a shirt with a sharpie. This is what a feminist looks like. Routine. Cool. She was she was nuts. Way to make it Completely about you. Nuts. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever dated an actress? No. Yeah. This is why. <laughs> Have you ever dated a stripper? Plenty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Uh, it's fun, but it's it's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I could love you, man. <laughs> it's fun, but not. 
in the end, it's not that much fun. <laughs> Just the, the nod of like, Ugh, man. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, Dario's in the car, like we said earlier. <laughs> do, you, do, you, uh, uh, do you consider softcore porn stars porn stars? I don't know. I don't watch softcore porn. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to watch that, I want to watch the real stuff. <laughs> I couldn't tell you who, who one is. Fair enough. Oh, there we go. Sean dated one. That's uh, why. Yeah, yeah. We were like, does that count as dating a porn star or not? I don't know. Is it true or false that your favorite porn star is Kendra Lust? Yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever met her? No, uh, yeah, one time. Wait, what? Wait. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like on accident? Uh, she was she was in Vegas at the same time I was. I met her at the strip club. She was, came in there and did some did little routine. Like a, and yeah. Occasionally, occasionally nice. she'll like one of my posts on, on Instagram. Yeah. And the girlfriend I'm with now is like fucking gets pissed off about it. When you got somebody that's some por big famous porn star that's got like three million followers, yeah. and then she'll like your post. All the all of them see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. She's that's like, why is this girl liking your post? I, I can't. How stop do you her know from her? Doing that. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> she well, looks. She looks familiar. I don't. Yeah. Are you Let's good? Make sure she doesn't know this podcast exists. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, Dario's waiting. That's all I got. Well, I feel bad. I want to keep you. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you've been here long enough. All right, but uh, we really should get back to Dario. In the car. The car's Dario. literally running right yeah, now. Yeah, he's sitting on um, our MDX. He he's a good chauffeur. He is. <laughs> and from he's Cleveland, in. apparently. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we got to get going. Thank All you right. for your time. All right, thank you guys. Continental's got the check. Not every day you can get almost four hours with Paul Tracy, and uh, that's just how awesome and cool the guy is. Hopefully you got a little bit of a perspective on the kind of many facets and elements that, that make up one of the most unique characters that uh, Ryan or I have ever met. Speaking of Paul, one of the things we actually didn't disclose was uh, many of you who remember we sort of had a contest saying whoever had the most number of guest submissions uh, would sort of be a lock into being on our show. Uh, that actually belonged to Paul. Paul got more requests than any other driver, including somebody like Mario Andretti or Tony Stewart. Uh, it seems like everybody's very, very fascinated by Paul's story. So uh, shout out to the people that, uh, that mentioned him. Chad, Adam Klinger, Bill Maddy, David Bell, David Kincaid, Ed Marsh, Josh Kolbeck, Maxwell Radke, Robert Turney, Sidney Davis-Yagel, and Tim Falkovitz. I'm sure there's others and we missed it. I apologize. That's how it goes. So we won't waste any more of your time. Uh, let's go ahead and get out of here with yet another band that's uh, new to us, but we appreciate them putting themselves out there. Uh, so this is a uh, band called West Spate and the Apollo Proxy. Uh, it's kind of a complicated spelling, but uh, to hear their music, you need to go to their website, and I'll just sort of list out the address to make life a little bit easier. They are at westspate.com. Hear me out. www.westspate.com. W E S S P numeral eight dot com. Again, W E S S P numeral eight dot com. This is a song called Gold Mind, and uh, we hope you enjoy. Hey. 